Welcome everybody to the Free Mind Podcast. Well, we are back, back in studio, and you know, we I put up that video last week, kind of a replay of when we went to the Capitol, January 6th, the infamous January 6th, um, that that be that marked the beginning of the end for our partnership with one particular ministry. <laughs> the fact that we were there, yeah, um, and the fact that we podcasted about it, um, you know, and and. Not being there, I can see why it kind of like felt like that to people that weren't there because of the propaganda surrounding it. It reminds mm-hmm. me of that um, that Francis Schaeffer series you showed me once with uh, oh, yeah. was it was it um, How Then Should We Live Right ten part series. Mm-hmm. It's really good, and I can't it's, remember that. Yeah, they do this thing where they talk about propaganda narrative yeah. and they um, enact a scene and they record it. And then they splice it and put it together to tell a story from one angle. And then they splice it and put it together to tell the story from the, the opposite angle. Right. Same footage, yeah, but two opposing narratives. It was really yeah. interesting to see. It's really good. Yeah, so it's nothing new in that respect. You know, you've had that going on, you know, with <clears throat> different mediums. But the, the with the invention of the video camera, you know, you, you had that particular expression of it. But um one of the things when I was thinking back on that, just that crazy time and, and what we said, I think it was January 9th. So it was just a few days after that when we put that podcast okay. out. I, I think most of the stuff we said back then actually like stood the test of time. Like we, we had this sensation that, man, what they were presenting. When we went back and saw what they had presented yeah, about like, that wow. event, we were there, we I were like, that that we didn't catch like th- there was a lot of that stuff we didn't see going on at all um and if there was that stuff it was very much the minority of what had happened that day um and it was presented uh in such a way to make it look like something that it definitely was not when mm-hmm. we were there um and so there were there was one thing i think at the time that i that we recorded that i thought that the QAnon shaman guy was pro- was possibly like a plant of the left yeah. now it looks like it looks at this point like he's not cuz he's actually been in prison this whole time oh i didn't know that um, okay yeah yeah he's he's one of those j6 prisoners i believe I, I don't know how soon after after the fact that they put him in so unless they're doing a really deep job of deception <laughs> which is is always a possibility um, it looks like that he was, you know, kind of like, you know, on the on the quote unquote patriot side. But the 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 narrative they were presenting was like he was one of these leaders spearheading this quote unquote insurrection. OK. And that it was at the behest of Trump, you know, telling people to go over there and, and, and insurrect. <laughs> um, and so that that was one of the clips that um, Tucker Carlson played then was the police kind of escorting him around the building and so escorting yeah yeah so you know okay kind of he he picked strategic clips um to undermine the the main thrust of their narrative which was the QAnon shaman guy was part of that and then the other part of that was brian setnick the the cop who had died um they were saying that he got hit by a fire extinguisher on the head or something like that by one of the protesters now I can't remember if we mentioned this on January 6th, 9th or not, but that was one of the things we, we saw was false immediately, like the, their so-called killings of the police officers. That stuff was being fabricated. And mm-hmm. so, and in some some cases, just out of whole cloth, in other cases, like it looks like he did die um, like a, the day after from um, a stroke or something like that, but not. I don't think it was related to any physical traumas. Anyways, I, okay. I, I remember... I remember researching that at the time, and it didn't stand up to the test. This was way back then. Also, one of the things we were right was, remember that guy John S- Sullivan or whatever, I think was his name, the the black dude that was a BLM um, advocate doing all this stuff around the nation, and then all of a sudden he was kind of like leading the charge into the Capitol, and he was videoing. Oh, wow. and Remember yeah. that? And he was like, we're Vainly. here, we're in here. And what's interesting, really interesting about that, do you remember when we went in, on Bit Shoot and watched um, – the Ashley Babbitt yeah. killing. 
Now, if you ever if you have an afternoon just to blow, or you know maybe thirty minutes or whatever, you can go on BitChute. It's like a UK Rumble. It's a video uploading thing. You can go on there and just type in Ashley Babbitt and and do your own you know kind of dig in there. But it was really interesting because I believe that guy's J- John Sullivan. I, I could be completely messing up his name because it's been a while. But that same dude that was BLM guy that was kind of acting like a MAGA guy, leading people in. Um, was videotaping this Ashley Babbitt thing. Oh, gosh. And he remember, it, it was listing him as Jaden X or something like that. Okay. And that whole scenario was very, oh, very, very strange. So I'll just let y'all, I'll leave that to y'all to look up. But there was there was some strange stuff surrounding that, and they, they take this stuff apart. This You can tell there's what they call agent provocateurs involved with that scenario. They were involved with other scenarios. You got this guy named Ray Epps that has this history with the FBI that was leading people into the Capitol. We sensed that day that there was a lot of funny business going on. Yeah, I was like, man, I didn't know they let people that close up right. on the building. <laughs> you know, even when you're invited to government buildings, I mean, you're going to go through hoops to come yeah. up on the door step. Yeah. And we saw just, just interesting activity. And there was some sinister stuff, too. I remember, like, walk. We were all just kind of, there was worship, people were leading worship, people were just kind of standing around, and a lot of it was uneventful, and then you started seeing things, and then it got to a point where, you know what, we should probably go, we should probably yeah. leave. We were there for a few hours, and then we were like, okay, this doesn't feel right in the same spirit as yeah, it was when it, we it, first it arrived. It didn't right? pass the smell test, right. there was some so, weird stuff going on. So when we looked into it, it I yeah. even saw like some... There were like former, I don't know, uh, intelligence guys that were claiming they're Ukrainian provocateurs there, all, all kinds of stuff. And okay. some, some of these guys were, um, even had some clout, like had some, a lot of experience putting their name on the line and saying like, this is, this was a false flag event. Yeah. This was not what it appeared to be. We don't know all the ins and outs of everything that happened in you know, in response to this, a lot of people were pushing back saying Tucker Carlson was presenting this false narrative and making this stuff up and all this and and uh, clearly like i mean he picked specific examples that basically what it did was rebut the narrative that was already out there okay um that was that was put out there and i I think that was the the right way to go but what's weird is one of the the, one of the responses was chuck schumer democratic guy and you know and and he gets up there and, and basically cries in the public tucker carlson this is a threat to our democracy so anytime you hear that phrase you know this is the threat to our democracy you can pretty much just assume yeah. it's a threat to the 2030 world economic forum agenda Woo. Come on, and they're see. stooges so anytime i hear that language now it's, it's almost funny like i like the news clip where they where they play those back to back i need to bring that okay, on the next episode that. this is a threat to our democracy this is a threat but anyways, he said this threat to our democracy called for Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News, to take it down or to 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 basically censor Tucker going forward. Don't let him keep doing it. And, and, and it did stop, unfortunately, like it, it kind of just like we thought he was going to continue like putting these. He had 40,000 hours of footage that he was going to continue to kind of put really? these out. And all of a sudden, like squelch, they don't say another word about it. So. Okay. I don't know what's going on with that. I'm hoping that Kevin McCarthy just kind of will release the 40,000 uh, to the public now and just let people go through it themselves and mine out, like, see for themselves what it is. But this is actually a funny clip before I read this uh, from this other guy. It's a funny clip that somebody put out that I think is worth watching. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the U.S. Capitol Building. If you've joined us today for the insurrection, please make sure you pick up a promotional leaflet on the way in, stay inside the safety cordons at all times, and if you get lost, speak to one of our Capitol Police officers, they'll be sure to point you in the right direction. And be sure to set aside a little time today to join us for some insurrection activities, including our photography tour, our fancy dress competition, and have a go on our climbing wall. But don't forget those safety ropes. I wonder what, too, what the outcome of the releasing of these clips, what's it, what is it doing? Because, you know, I can't remember who said this, but I read this last year that it's, it's easier to lie to someone than to convince mm. a person that they've been lied to. Yeah. So to re- even in the face of footage, it's like, okay, they said one story, but here's footage of other stories. And I would love to hear 
yeah. of people who are processing this for the first time and, and are really objective about going about, okay, what really happened that yeah, day? Yeah. What is really going on? And not just taking on the sway of the story because that is just, it gets so old. You know, that's a good, that's a good yeah. question. I, I've seen a lot of doubling and tripling down on people that just don't want to accept that. Okay, that, that, that's, that, that it was that, a lie. Okay. That, that first story, which, again, we don't know exactly all the details, but what what we know with confidence, having been there and looked into it, that that first narrative was no completely doubt. false. We know that was false. We don't know what are all the players, what are all the details, what's the outcome, all that. Um, but the guys that don't want to question that narrative, many of them had doubled and tripled down. Okay. I have seen some that have have revisited, kind of really switched kind of over though. And and you know, I think there's another good example. Like even when you do get the best case scenario of um, people slowly shifting their viewpoint or people shifting their viewpoint, it typically is really slow. Okay. I think just ta- speaking of majorities, very general statement. But um, they're not. You could present them a, a pretty good reasoned syllogism, yeah. evidence, and it's just you know they're going to stick to their guns. But there are, there are a group that that try as as hard as it is to be objective. And so, as Christians, I think we want to be. Uh, we talked about this a lot in the past, but epistemologically virtuous okay. and and try to like even if it's like our pet theory, if mm. there's good evidence against it, like yeah. it's hard to do that. It you know is. what I'm saying? It is, but it's good to do. It. It's, it's good, good to do you it. So want to be on the side of truth and reality. It's just yeah, and, and you know we all have yeah. the people we kind of you have like one of those one of those three streams of knowledge or justification comes from authority so who do you trust as an authority and sometimes like so so when we first were confronted with the ravi zacharias thing um it came through christianity today who i don't trust at all okay just terrible not 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 reliable as an as a journalistic outlet they always spin things they have a particular narrative i just i don't have a high view of them so because they did it, I immediately had a, a little bit of a resistance, like, okay. I, and I think that was proper and appropriate, actually. But even in that, I was like, but I got to read what, what are they saying? What's their proof? And then as I looked at what they said, began to dig into it deeper over time, the evidence mounted that overcame my initial trust Eesh. in Ravi and his character and that kind of thing that, that said, you know what, he pro- he, this looks like he likely did this. And so... You know, it can be a process. I'm, I'm even related to January 6th, the whole Mike Pence thing, remember? Mm-hmm. So we were like, you know, have been hu- huge Pence supporters in a lot of ways. Um, there were people that were coming out a couple weeks before that saying, like, he's not who you think he is. And, and I even watched a couple videos yep. of so-called whistleblowers that made some kind of incredible claims about him um, that were pretty wild. Um, So there's there's this back and forth going on. Like, is is he is he part of this larger white hat operation and he's playing this role and doing this stuff on purpose, but with a good end? Or is he really kind of what it appears to be, which is like he just uh, at least on the surface, he you know, he was saying he couldn't do anything, but he actually could have, I believe, based on hearing from some constitutional experts that were saying what he could do. For sure. Having that power as the vice president, he could at least, at the very least, delay the different electoral votes um, until they were able to do a thorough investigation. Yeah. Um, so um, he didn't do, and now like everything he does, the people that he's promoting tends to be rhinos and it's like, oh boy. and the, the sides that he's taking on things t- tends to be like rhino side. Like everything is like, so my, my view of him has changed over time. And my view of even certain Republicans that I used to think, man, these guys are, you know, solid people. Like the more I got to know. So, so maybe, maybe there's a shift in that way for some of these yeah. leftists. Now, some of them are so committed to the ideology that like AOC said, it's, it's the morale, it's the facts don't matter. It's the morality of what she was. In other words, it was her value and whatever wow. narrative prop that, that her advocacy up that mattered rather than the facts of the case. Wow. So if, if that's your ideology, then you don't really care about the no. facts of the case. If it becomes useful or not is the only thing that matters toward propping up your narrative. So that ideology undermines truth. It's not about truth. It's it's about power. Mm. But for people, you know, that that do still care about the truth, I think there are some people waking up to I this. Wonder. But it's slow. It's a lot slower 
than it should be. And it's like, it's very frustrating at times, but I wanted to read this one thing. Okay. This is a guy from a, from a cross politic. And I'll let y'all see this as I read through it. If you're, if you're watching with us, but he goes by water boy on, on, on uh, Twitter. He said, my take on the Tucker Carlson Jan 6 tapes, the liberals and Republicans on the Jan 6 committee obviously wanted to push one narrative, which is why they never released all the footage as they should have. It was a kangaroo committee. Pause. That, that's true. You know, Yeah. it was just it, nobody like challenging that had anything to do with it. Locks trusted that, that morning. And yeah. Yeah. Was never brought up. Exactly. So he says to to Speaker McCarthy's credit, he gave Tucker's team access to undo some of the kangaroo narrative. Okay. So that was the, the purpose. Undo some of this kangaroo narrative. Serious injustice has taken place here. And J6 was politicized from the jump. J6 was no insurrection by any stretch of the imagination. Now, there were bad actors in the crowd for sure, and they deserved to face justice. Those bad actors include those who vandalized Antifa, FBI, mm -hmm. Speaker Pelosi, the police who testified and lied, those who attacked the police, the Democrats who lied to maintain the narrative, including Joe Biden, the GOP, who cowered in the corners. And I am sure I'm leaving off some uh, off the list. Now, there were also thousands of good people there, too, but that does not fit the narrative. Right. Now, Tucker Carlson has focused on footage that has proved a reps lied. Sorry, Ray Epps. I said a reps. A, that's, that's a a reps. He's, he's the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the hood version of Ray Epps. Um, that the shaman was helped by the cops to access the building and that one of the officers was not killed by anybody in the J6 crowd. This truth has enraged the leftists and rhinos like Mitch McConnell, which is true. He, he got up and, you know, he's another one. Like I used to think he was like, yeah, upstanding. Yeah, 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 this guy. And, and so I've been freed of that uh, naivete. <laughs> so, uh, but here's the point. Justice requires the hard wor work of sorting through the crowds oh, and boy. assessing who committed crimes and therefore deserves a fair trial, and those who were present and did nothing wrong. I would apply this same principle to the BLM riots and so forth. This is why GOP rhinos overwhelmingly do not want to touch this issue with a 10-foot pole, and why the Democrats want to continue to push the insurrection narrative. Neither side cares about true justice, and when Tucker released the tapes, it enraged both sides because both could care less about actual justice. We desperately need reformation and revival, which would come with a revival of true justice. Truth matters in the details, which is why we need to grow in faithfulness to God's word Amen. in all its details. And I, this will actually, actually I didn't yeah. even realize this, but this will take us into the next segment oh, I want to talk about. Because he said reformation and revival, which would come with revival of true justice. Truth matters in the details, it's which good. is why we need to grow in faithfulness to God's word in all its details. And that's it right there, because I was sitting here thinking, like, when did we get so far from caring about the truth and what goes on, what's really going on? It's like you get the sense that things aren't what they seem yeah. and how they're being portrayed. But then to go so far as to not care, like AOC, well, we don't care about the facts. We just... It's the whatever she said, her right, moral values. And yeah. so it's because we're far from God and yeah. we're far from the word and it's being pushed out and other ideologies are being pushed in. So that makes sense there. Yeah, man. Speaking of, I think they're going to indict Trump next week. Supposedly. I saw that. What's that about? I don't I, even know. I, I, I don't know the he's details. He's going to be fingerprinted. I mean, and they, stuff? they've been in. They've been. I saw you that. Know, They've had what? accusation in search of a crime on him ever since he came down the elevator. Okay. So there's no telling what they have cooked up. But, but <laughs> you know, it's that. like that's what happens. You know, when, when there's no justice in the land, you become like this third world, you know, banana republic. Um, and and it, this is a, it, it really is a scary situation. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. But meanwhile, there's like laptops with footage listen. and money laundering and ties with China crickets there. It's, yeah, it's, you know what I mean? So, it's, anyway. it's crazy, man. But I so, digress. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, If you want to grow in your confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it, if you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. 
Propel is a one-week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it, and we'll see you this summer. You know, that, that brings us into, we wanted to talk about the Jesus Revolution movie a little bit. We, we actually saw it a few weeks ago, yeah. right? A few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, but before we jump into those details, I did want to just like talk about the art of the movie. I thought it was actually, actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. You know, first um, few minutes, I was like, okay, here we go, another one of these. But yeah. I was corrected. It was really good yeah. and well done. Heavy yeah. parts, like some of the movie scenes where I was like, whoa, this is really capturing the weight of, and I was really, really moved. Yeah, man. So it was really good. Yeah, I thought the quality, like the- Good acting. Uh, good acting, good writing. Good plot. They, they- Good story. You know, brought together, a like, story. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about this in a minute, what you said. Like, at first, you felt like it was going to be this sort of one-sided, kind of the, the mistake a lot of Christian movies make, where they just present kind of a caricatured version or, a, or a, um, what is it, just unrealistic um, to, because of they're trying to do a message, which is good. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can pres- it's, it's easy to fall into that place where you yeah. lean too hard on, on, on just cliche and stuff like that. Yeah. Andy Wilson talks about that. You you go out making art with the aim of presenting the gospel first, or you can go out desiring to make a good piece of art. Mm. And there, sometimes the two can coexist, but um, you can tell when one is above the other. Yeah. And so, but th- with this movie, I thought they told a great story well. Yeah. It was well done. And I would say it's worth watching. Like, it, you know, it's one of those I say go, you know, support it, especially while it's in theaters. Yeah. Because uh, we need more movies like that to yeah, just man. tell about um, and and it kind of it was kind of weird how this came out like right when the Asbury thing. Yeah, you know, the timing couldn't have been more it was perfect. Very interesting I was like, how that. did they do that? Like, <laughs> God knows. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> uh, and and I think that that you know is a really cool thing on one hand, and and, and it really, I'm I'm praying like this movie. You know, a lot of people have been prophesying and talking about man, God's stirring up revival, and He's mm-hmm. going to do this thing, and this year is going to be the year of. Like all this stuff's gonna just explode, outpourings of the spirit, and we know we need it. Like, he, like the guy there on the cross politic, who's from Moscow, um, said, like even as a reform guy, he was recon- recognizing we need reformation and revival. And so many people across denominational lines realize, like this can't be done in human strength. When they're, yeah. you know, they're prosecuting, <laughs> trying to prosecute ex presidents, like and, yeah. and anybody that stood against the, sure. the regime. Like we, we know we're in a rough situation. We need, we need. God's actual miraculous spirit. Um, but what can happen in that kind of scenario is like you can be too quick to be uncritical and and, and just say, oh man, that everything that, that comes in the name of revival is good and we need to jump on board. Yeah. And, and I think some people have even been saying that like we need another Jesus revolution mm. or, you know, we got to, what did they do? And, and we got to do that. We got to try to recreate that. And I think there's a couple. Um, there are there are a few things in that 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 are worth pointing out. And so when 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 we were watching it, um, I was very moved at times. Thought they captured it well. And, and and one of the things when it initially started, like they called the people that you know the the church people, the pastor, his daughter was calling him a square, you know. And then you had the hippies, and they were they were they were cool, they were yeah. vibey, you know, this kind of thing. And the, and the church people were squares. And, um, you know, that's all good and everything. It's, it's fine um, insofar as it goes. But I think one, when I was watching that, I was, I was thinking to myself, okay, here's, here's another scenario where they're going to present this thing like the traditional church, sometimes bringing with that like biblical teaching and biblical standards. All that's put together in this package, and these are the squares. 
and the people that want to upset the traditions of the church yeah. and often even even biblical teaching. Um, but they're the loving people, the accepting yeah. people. The, they're they're represented arms. by yeah. this other side. They're cool. And, they're vibey. They're yeah. And I thought, okay, this is going to be another yeah. version of that where they just come in sure. and they can do nothing wrong and the traditional squares can do nothing right. Now, that's where I was on one hand, like ple- pleasantly surprised, right? Because I did present, like, I actually didn't know the history of Lonnie Frisbee. And, Me either. That was very, very interesting right. stuff. And so they didn't, they didn't, you know, present it as this kind of clean cut, overly whitewashed scenario, which I appreciated. Yeah. But there was still this narrative. And I think it comes down to this important conversation. This is what I said to you that night, if you'll remember. Um, I said, you know, when the daughter first brings Lonnie Frisbee to the house to talk to the dad. Who's the pastor? Who's the pastor? Yeah, Chuck Smith. Sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, Chuck Smith, and they're sitting there, and he's he, Chuck had been, you know, railing against the hippies and the lawlessness in society and all this stuff, and, and all the people in the church were, especially this one guy that, that later becomes the bad guy. He mm-hmm. was like, amen, preach it. You know, he was he was his amen corner. So the, the hippie guy comes in, and they're, you know, they're talking back and forth. And by the way, he's played by the guy that plays Jesus in The yeah. Chosen. Yep. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But um, so he says to Pastor Chuck, he's like, you know, I wish I had the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of um, all these young people, they're, they're really searching for God. And they're just they're just being mm-hmm. lied to. They've, yeah, they've bought into the these dece- or they've gone about it the wrong way. Don't you? And he's like, don't you see that? And that's supposed to be like this kind of light bulb moment for Chuck Smith. Mm. And, um, you know, in that moment, I was I, I was immediately hit with this thought. Like I used to think more like that, like back in my early just I don't know, I guess before I really a understood the the doctrine of depravity from scripture and Mm. also before i lived long enough to see how depraved like pre-twitter like you might think human beings are still good but after you go on twitter for a while you're like no the bible's right (laughs) um so you know i what i told you that night was i was like you know that 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 theological stream flooding through that if that was meant to present that 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 it, it really is a false view of fallen humanity um, because the Bible really, the, the emphasis is always on no one seeks good. No, no one does right. Bad. Romans mm-hmm. 1, like we, we, we love the darkness. We pursue that. So mm. when we pursue the darkness, it's not because we were really seeking God and just kind of tripped and fell to this wow. way instead of that yeah. way. Um, so really, um, it's not just the case that, man, they're seeking God. And if you just kind of, you know, show, be cool, man, and, and let them in the doors and, and let them be themselves that they'll they'll love the scripture and they'll love God. Like that's not that's not the testimony of history, that's not the testimony of scripture. Yeah. Fallen humans hate God. Ooh. It's a contaminated crowd. It is a it's an expression of lawlessness and darkness that's in the heart of every one of us. Yeah. And so that was kind of like theological marker number 1. Good clarification there. Um, that's good. And again, it's not like uh, there could be some element of truth to what he's saying. What were you going to say? Yeah, it's like I agree that the the void that they're trying yeah. to fill can only be filled by God. So in yes. essence, yeah. they're, they're seeking for something that only God can do. But to say that they are seeking God and seeking those things yeah. is, is, is something to process that's not the same. Like if I go out and, and I'm trying to fill my tummy with my favorite foods or you know go to my I am not I, I don't have God on my mind at that moment and I th- I'm so far from God you can't exalt the self and love the self and love God at the same time but you know you'll sit in that movie and you'll hear that line you're like yeah they just want God they just love Jesus all they want is God yeah. yet it's drugs it's it's alcohol it's sex it's everything anti kingdom of God that's destroying themselves and honestly being led of Satan in those things yeah. it's like so they're not the same it's funny because I watched this podcast this week uh, I, is it soft underbelly of this Asian um, ex-gang member who really broke mm. down 
how his pastor, um, after hitting just a hard wall, he had yeah. a rough life, his pastor explained to him and he began to really finally understand that sin is ultimately choosing your own way of doing things, yeah. going about it your way apart from God. And we're all born in that. And from yeah. Adam down, down, it's like we it's in our blood. We didn't choose to be, I didn't choose to be African-American. You didn't choose to be. And so we, we're born into that lifestyle of just wanting to do things our own way like babies they choose i want this so they grab you know so it's like that's the reality that um you know we need to remember that we 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 don't choose god we don't we have to choose him every day actually you know but if we're not careful we'll let these movies paint us as just loving people who just love god every day so that so in in essence like by denying the doctrine of total depravity. Okay, yeah. You kind of set up the wrong solution. Okay. Um, Because often what what you slip into is like, man, Jesus helps fulfill my life. Mm. And often the gospel presentation, like Mm. it was, it was, it was, this is another point. Like I I really, really appreciate Greg Laurie. I think he does a great job. But even that message at the end of the movie, like if you wait till the end, he preaches the gospel message. And I I was just, for some reason I was hearing it. It wasn't bad. I don't think like there's a, there's a point where like, I think to a degree, you know, Paul would engage, you know, anything to win the loss, not, not short of truth and not short of that, but you know, there's different, ways you can present the gospel in different modes. And I don't want to be too like stiff on that, but I just noticed how individualistic it was and how much it was built on felt need. Like you've been trying this thing for too long and you know, Jesus is, is the only one who can fulfill everything you've And that is true. That is, that, that is true. But I just, when I, when I really look at how the gospel was presented in the New Testament, it was never along those lines. And I, I think that says more about us probably in a culture. What were you going to say? Yeah, and he, they, he offers a New Testament gospel, just a New Testament just, Bible. Yeah, and I was like, send it to him. yeah, and I thought that it's was very interesting. interesting. Just the half story of redemption, not the whole story. Right. Half the story. You can't omit that. That's yeah. the whole story of redemption. And that, yeah. so. No, that's a that's a great point. I forgot about that. He's like, yeah, if you if you text this number, we'll send you a New Testament. And I would have never thought anything about that, you know, five six years ago. But now that we've seen like the outworking of what can be this mentality of like we're going to unhook the. No, I'm not saying Greg Laurie is saying that. Right. We're but just saying that idea is might be might be in seed form in the way we present the gospel as meeting a need in your life rather than like no jesus is king come on like we were under the Mm. wrath of god right so good we were we were rebels against his kingdom now he says you can enter back into that kingdom by putting your confidence in him and laying down your life as you've lived it in the past um, that's that's just a different emphasis, that's you know, good. if you will. And I'm just I'm used to the other because I've always, but I heard it for some reason with fresh ears. Even though I've always been in that world, I was like, huh, we do that. That is kind of our gospel presentation. Okay, so rewind back to the story. Okay. You know, they're just they're basically just you know they're just they're confused. They're they're lost. They're looking for God, but they're just finding finding drugs and sex and all this stuff instead. Even if I give you that point for now. What I was fearing is, and what I do think comes through, is people will walk away from that because what happens when the when the hippies, quote unquote, start coming in the church, you know, basically they he he they're on stage leading worship, which is fine, you know, they're Lonnie Frisbee's preaching. Um, the great thing about it is they're still preaching the Bible, yeah. which is awesome. Um, but you have then the people in the church become kind of this flattened out version of like, we don't, we don't want their, you know, they're not wearing shoes in the church. And so all of a sudden they're super hyper focused on the wrong things. But what, what I think people might walk away with is these people are the Pharisees in the church, right? And the hippies, they're the ones that Jesus sat with. They're the tax collectors and the, the sexually immoral and that is a constant trope that I think gets thrown around in this um, the 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 spirit of the age that we're in wrongly, and that's what I wanted to try to ward off. Like I wanted to try to recognize the reality that God did a lot through that movement, 
and that we do need God to do to to outpour and we need all that stuff and and also recognize the fact that there might have been people in those churches that were focused on the sure. wrong thing they might have been pharisaical but what I also want to not give into is this idea that to to hold to biblical principles come on and God's law and that kind of thing is what makes you a Pharisee. Oh boy. Um, or that being free and, and loving in the sense of compassionate and empathetic and all these things that makes you sense, automatically yeah. um, the kind that God accepts and loves. Now, if you if you accept that as sort of this, um, those are the two sides, you know, then what what how do you apply that in this scenario? Like, like if you're saying, okay, we want another Jesus revolution, what would that look like in our scenario? I think it, what did you say? You said, what's the parallel here? What's the parallel here? I think in most people's minds, it would be like this. It would be exactly what Andy Stanley's doing. He's becoming the Chuck Smith by reaching out to the LGBTQ community because those are the outcasts. And the ones that aren't getting on board with this movement toward being affirming, those are the Pharisees. I think that's what might be lurking. And that's what people were initially nervous about with some of the stuff they were hearing about Asbury was that exact same thrust. So that that is a real thing. And I was oddly enough, I was reading Oz Guinness book. um, It's called The Dust of Death, the 60s counterculture and how it changed America forever. And in that book, he it was I think it was the first book he wrote in his 20s, and they just republished like a 50-year um, anniversary. Okay. But I think they basically kept it the, the, the bulk of the book, what it originally was, if I'm not mistaken. But he had a whole section on, on the Jesus Revolution movement. And other people have noted this as well, like um, they've kind of talked about just the fact that the Calvary Chapel instantiation of the Jesus movement was probably the best version of it. And the reason it ended up working was because they, they continued to teach the Bible like Chuck Smith. It was just like through the Bible. And because of that, people that were previously hippies came in the church. They actually like cleaned up their act. They started, you know, they took, um, got families, got jobs, grew up basically, and and did make a difference and moved in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But there were large swaths of the movement that moved, like it it spurred on some crazy kind of communal um, authoritarian stuff, some anarchy stuff. So a lot of leftist Christianity um, came out of that movement. And so, you know, you had, you had these different, these different branches and all. But one of the things that, that Guinness said, he said, you know, before this movement, there was like there was an uncritical rejection of everything. Okay. And so it, then it swung into this naivete and where they were just relying on the young people to keep them from becoming culturally obsolete. Okay. And he also said, like, um, in many ways, it, it it swung from one extreme to the other. And, and, and in both cases, it lacked an emphasis on truth. And like good biblical solid teaching and this is one of the things he said he said even in jesus ministry it caused uproar just like the jesus movement did the uproar itself isn't bad and even the messiness will ne- will, will will come along with it but he said at the end of the day jesus stressed content challenge and cost and by doing this he divorced the genuine from the spurious and so found his true disciples and so what yeah yeah so i think that no matter like we pray that this thing comes this year and continues to come that asbury is just the beginning and that there's genuine outpourings but in those outpourings you can never let go of content you can never let go of it being um you can never let truth be devalued Mm, that's good and you can never get rid of the cost of discipleship and the challenge of laying down everything to follow Christ. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it it takes time to reveal, God reveals whether something is just trendy and cool or a real move of God, a real move of the Spirit, because trends come, and he says that in the book, that Jesus was unmoved by trends and culture, Mm. stuck to, okay, God is up to the kingdom right now. This is the kingdom of God. 
through himself. And so it's yeah. good. One side is skepticism and criticalness. And then the other side is just a naivete, open wide arms up to anything that's going on. And so right, as long as it's trendy diligence and, and it's of working. really seeking the Lord and, and staying close to truth, content, the scriptures, the spirit, the presence being led of God is, is key. That's really good reminder. Yeah. And so that, that was, what what he's so I think he again he wrote that if I'm not mistaken in like 68 or the early 70s so this is right on the heels of this movement and he was already recognizing like you know then. that okay this movement awesome thank you Lord that that people are being That's saved moving. but it's I, he he warned that it was it lacked content and it mm-hmm. lacked truth now thankfully like I said the Calvary Chapel version of it the people that got connected to that church. Chuck Smith, and even in the movie, he says, "You know, I let Lonnie Frisbee out there too soon." Like he 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 owned that mistake because you know apparently they ended up parting ways, and 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 Lonnie has a real spotty history, supposedly you know semi closeted gay man who died of AIDS some years later. I don't know where he ended on. Some people say he you know drifted completely from the faith. Others say no, he. He wrestled with it, and he wrestled with God, but he landed in repentance. I, I, I haven't studied enough to say, but one of the things I do want to point out, because one of the things that I thought of was like, man, what this trope of Pharisees, what what was the sin of the Pharisees, and how do we... How do we not do that in this situation? Because we, we recognize that we can't... The, the biblical thing isn't to be affirming in the sense of what the culture is calling affirming. We can't love in that sense because it's not love according to the Bible. It's not love according to knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's not a fulfillment of the law. This is some kind of love that just wants to make people feel good about whatever they f- feel inside or whatever they want to do, you know, sexually or yeah. in any, any kind of circumstance. So, you know, trying to avoid that what you might walk away with from these different presentations, movies, whatever. I, I came across this um, article from American Vision, and I thought it was helpful. And I'm just going to read this to you real quick, and, and I'll let you again follow. You can follow along with us. If um, And he says, A great deal of confusion exists in the church over the definition of legalism. There are those who conclude that a legalist is someone who keeps the commandments. This cannot be legalism since the Bible commends those who keeps God's commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, John 14, 15. Others imagine that a legalist is a person who works at keeping God's law. Such a person is not a legalist since the psalmist extols the beauty and necessity of a love for God's Mm -hmm. law in Psalm 119. Some assert that a legalist is anyone who follows God's law after he or she has embraced God. Christ as Lord and Savior. But this cannot be legalism since Paul tells us that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, 1 Timothy 1.8. What then is legalism? Legalism is the adding of basic presuppositions to a faith to make that faith more exclusive or less available to outsiders who do not think, act, or believe as do the true, quote-unquote, believers. Legalism is one of many power maneuvers by faith leaders who seek to consolidate religious authority in the hands of a very few. Wow. He goes on, the Pharisees fit this definition, as do many modern-day Christians who erect an ethical system that does not comport with the Bible, either by setting aside its ethical demands or by replacing biblical norms with extra-biblical decrees. The Pharisees, contrary to popular opinion, did not keep God's law. This is interesting right here. They were not the best people of their day, he says. The best people were men like Simeon. In Luke 2.25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. They were men like Zacharias. And listen to this description of Zacharias. And they were both righteous before God, Luke 1, 6, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So he was lifted up as a guy who, yeah. Okay. And Joseph, Matthew 1, 19, and her husband Joseph, being a, a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Women like Anna, uh, Luke two thirty six, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when from when she was a virgin. Mary, um, 
you know, so it connects it in that case to yeah. or sexual purity and it goes Mary Elizabeth. Um, again, Elizabeth was one of those described who blameless in the, in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Um, Elizabeth and Zacharias, which he said, were both righteous in the sight of the Lord, walking blamelessly in the commandments and requirement of the Lord. The commandments of God were neglected by the Pharisees, according to Mark 7, 8. They nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep their tradition. Mm, okay. Jesus told the Pharisees that they had the devil as their father. Yikes. And uh, he says, James B. Jordan sets the record straight, says this, We are used to thinking of the scribes and Pharisees as meticulous men who carefully observed the jots and tittles of God's law. This is not the portrait found in the Gospels. The scribes and Pharisees that Jesus encountered were grossly, obviously, and fragrantly breaking the Mosaic law while keeping all kinds of man-made okay. traditions. Jesus' condemnation of them in Matthew 23 certainly makes this clear, as does a famous story in John 8. There we read that the scribes and Pharisees brought to Jesus a man taken in the very act of adultery, John 8, 1 through 11. How did they know where to find her? Where was the man who was caught with her? Apparently he was one of their cronies. Also, when Jesus asked for anyone without sin that is not guilty of the same crime, in parentheses, to cast the first stone, they all went away because they were all adulterers. Yikes. That was the end of that quote. And then he goes uh, on, a persistent belief beleaguers the church because the Pharisees have been portrayed as strict adherence to the law. Since Jesus had his greatest theological disputes with the Pharisees, therefore Jesus was opposed to the law. And in our case, I'm, I'm breaking from the article here, mm-hmm. but we think that he's opposed to any yeah. standards of morality often. Like Jesus hung out with the tax collectors, the sinners, and he hated the people who were religious and, and um, lived according to proper ethics. That's not, that's not the, you know, the, the dispute that's going on here. So um, back to the article, he said, this is not what the Bible teaches when the quote scribes and Pharisees seated themselves in the chair of Moses, that is, when the law was properly taught and applied, the people were to do all that they told them. That was in Matthew 23. At the same time, Jesus admonished the people not to do according to their deeds. So there it was, he was actually saying like, no, what they're teaching is actually they're teaching the right stuff do what they say but don't do what, what they, they do because they're hypocritical okay. they're not they they're not living out the law. law so the people that lived out the commandments zechariah and um elizabeth he, they were commended you know so in other words like it's not this it's not this simple picture of you have you know biblical ethics and people who hold to them and you know and have good families and um are good upright citizens and and have you know what we would call square lives versus the you know the people who are just loving and affirming although they kind of flout the law of god and that's the people that god prefers yeah now you could have square people that are hypocrites they look square on the outside right but they actually don't have the heart of god they they don't keep his commands they don't do what's right they don't love their neighbor as themselves and that's easy to fall into i think those people god would treat them like the Pharisees, but he also would say to the hippie, he would welcome them to him on these terms, put your faith in me, yeah. take up your cross, leave that way behind. Um, he, he talks about in, in another article, the definition of sin as lawlessness. Mm-hmm. And that's my only worry about these types of presentations is that because we already live in an anti-law society in a church, like an antinomian um, environment, we tend to to just automatically think, yeah, this is great. Anybody that comes in, they don't need to they don't need to adjust. They don't need to change their lifestyle. What we need to change is the old way. We need to adapt to the new way. Whatever works, whatever yeah. trend, whatever makes people feel good, and that I think would be the wrong message to take from a movie like this. Yeah, that's really good. Anything else you want to add to that? Ooh, that's good love. So good. Just. As you were sharing, I was just thinking about how tragic would it be for hippies or whoever to to be, quote unquote, looking for God and then go to church and not find God because mm-hmm. what's being nurtured is what the life you're living already. But that God wants to heal. God wants to transform us from 
our mess. <laughs> he wants to take away, not only take away the shame, but annihilate the cause of the shame because there's new life right. in Christ, real living, real healing, real love, yeah. real life in Christ, not just a stamp on um, a cultural, you're okay where you are, come as you are, say as you are, but... Um, yeah, that's good clarification. Yeah. Very, very good stuff there. But and because I was even hearing someone say um, yeah. that you know they were even baptizing it, it on the beach because they didn't have room mm. and they were meeting in tents because their church was full. Yeah, but awesome. you know you could you could take that and be like, oh, we got to do something unique. You know, yeah, we got to we got to baptize on the top of a high rise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to try to. <laughs> that's you know, where God. That's what God yeah, is doing. It's like, and yeah. I, I just think that is mistaken in so many ways. You have the extreme mistake of accepting things that God doesn't accept, like calling things good that are evil and yeah. calling evil good. That's the extreme version. But then you have the even smaller version. It's like we got to try to reach the youth by being like them. Mm. And I think, you know, there there's an essence where I mean there, there there's a place where yeah. That probably has some some truth, but you just got to be really careful with that. One, sure. it, it can be corny too, but also it can just be um it can lack prudence and lack wisdom. Yeah. Because you don't know like what are in in this example was brought up like in trying to reach the LGBTQ community, like even from a good place, like sure. you're trying to reach them for the gospel. Yeah. You want them to come in and be set free and walk after Christ in every way. Um, but you're doing You're like, man, what really reaches them? Well, I, maybe I should put some people on the worship team that look androgynous with pink hair. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like sure. it's like that's just that's that's it's not good thinking. It's not it's it's not. There's no precedent for that in right. the, the way the disciples went about it. And it just, I don't know, it tends to cheapen it and make, make it goofy. And then it's like, where do you go from there? Like the, the reason that look sometimes has become like a trend is because it's rooted in a, in a kind of an ideology Ooh, yeah. that's trying to under, not undermine the creational norms. So you have to ask, like, first, where, are the, where is this trend coming from? Why is it a trend? Yeah. And is it something that fits within the biblical worldview? And if you depend on trends, you'll continue to have to depend on trends. Yeah, man. But um, not that you're not you're not aware of culture and where people are. But you know, you you want to win people according to God's ways, and yeah. continually depend on God doing it. Yeah. Not your tricks the, the, or your ways tricks, you know yeah. so anyway you know just some stuff. thoughts to think about but thank you guys for for um being thank with us for guys. this this episode and hoping to do Ooh. hoping to get into some more uh, stuff with the christian nationalist debate next episode but just wanted to do a quick update on on these couple items and yeah i hope it's helpful and we will see you next time hey.